Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Small Biz Gone Viral. I'm your host, Grant LeBeau, small business owner and guy still coming to terms with 2020. It's turned on a dime from thriving to surviving. And rather than crying myself to sleep, not saying that I never did, I created this show as a shoulder for my fellow small business owners to cry on and to hear the magic words, you are not alone. So we're going to get through this together. Today's fun fact is actually a fun quote by today's guest, Marissa Badgley. I have each guest fill out a little survey before the show, you know, so I can ask really poignant, mind-blowing questions. And one of my favorite questions on the survey is, what is your least favorite part about entrepreneurship? Because it leads to answers that make me want to laugh and then cry and then laugh again. Answers like this quote from Marissa. Quote, I really love predictable outcomes and knowing that by doing X, Y will happen. That is not a part of the entrepreneurship journey and is definitely not true during pandemic times. I feel like I'm often throwing spaghetti at the wall. Sometimes the spaghetti sticks, sometimes the spaghetti falls, and sometimes the wall disappears mid-throw. Truer words have never been spoken. Here are the facts and figures from today, the 6th of July, which we provide as context for two groups, you, the contemporary listener, and then also to my economic history students in the year 2075, studying the first modern pandemic depression, trying to get an insider's look into just how awesome it was trying to run a business while the world burned. Starting with COVID, the world is continuing to set records for new daily cases, passing the 200,000 mark both days of the weekend. In spite of the continued rise, though, the average daily death rate has remained remarkably constant the past eight weeks, indicating perhaps that we might be getting better at, the, at treating the virus. The glass-half-empty look at those same stats might be to say tests are more prevalent and more people with lesser symptoms are being confirmed, though it could just be that more young people are contracting the virus. However you look at it, neither active cases nor deaths are trending in the right direction. On to economic stats. It is my personal opinion that we are standing on the edge of a cliff. June saw a huge increase of 4.8 million jobs, many of these coming in retail, education, health services, and white collar. The reason why I hold a pessimistic view is the Paycheck Protection Program is coming to an end. It was designed to fund the payroll of smaller businesses for eight weeks, although a ton of that money went to giant companies. The first round of PPP money was deployed April 10th through the 16th before running out of funds. That money was originally intended to begin being used immediately toward payroll, keeping staff employed and otherwise that otherwise would have been laid off or furloughed. Under the original conditions of the act, in order to be converted from a loan to a grant, that money had to be spent in eight weeks. That window has since been extended, though much too late for most small businesses, mine included, to actually adjust. The rationale was to keep unemployment from snowballing. If people have jobs, they spend, and when they spend, businesses stay alive. And although there are layoffs, at least the company survives. Now, as the funds artificially propping up jobs begin to run out, I am pessimistic that without further government support, which doesn't look like this is coming anytime soon, many businesses will again begin to cut jobs. Couple that with the additional $600 per week in unemployment checks scheduled to end J July 31st, and you have a lot of households that are going to begin hemorrhaging cash. Democrats are seeking to extend that unemployment bonus of sorts, but there is significant pushback from the right, as enunciated just a couple days ago by Labor Secretary Eugene Scalia, who said on Fox News that he did not see a need for extending the additional $600. The remarkable recovery of the stock market from 21,000 up to 27.5 seems to be at end at an end faced with opposing arguments. Almost 5 million jobs created, no small feat, but record numbers of COVID cases and many states pausing or reversing plans to reopen, coupled with additional unemployment and PPP funds coming to an end. All said, it seems like the stock market is holding steady in the 25,000s, waiting just like the rest of us to see what happens next. My guest today is Marissa Badgley of Relevution, a consultancy that guides passionate leaders, conscientious companies, and growing professionals through powerful professional development. Relevution has been featured in Forbes for how they create positive work environments, improving workforce culture, and employee engagement. Overall, reducing staff turnover and burnout, and essentially making work feel less like work. Let's get to it. 
Marissa, thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. It's wonderful to be able to be here today. Uh, I'm super excited to have you on the show because I feel like your services are so incredibly valuable now more than ever. Uh, as we all try to adjust to like, the quote new normal, which will certainly include more working from home. Uh, we have so much to cover, so let's just get right into it and start with your background. Uh, the service you offer is so unique. So can you tell me how did you come to be in a position to start Relevolution? Sure. So I really, really love the opportunity to tell this story because I think that it provides hope and inspiration to people who are finding themselves trapped in workplaces that leave them feeling diminished and often less than the fabulous human beings that they are. So I come from the education nonprofit space and have spent um, about the last 12 years working um, with, to build programs and coach educational leaders on how to create spaces that foster positive youth development. And I had the immense privilege over the course of my career to do work that I truly loved with people that I truly loved and continued to find myself in incubators that didn't actually allow for me as a human being to really work or live authentically into that work. And I came to a point in my journey and in my, my own personal burnout journey last year where it was very clear from an emotional, mental, and physical perspective that I needed a break. And it was one of the most difficult choices I ever had to make because, again, I really enjoyed what I was doing. And what I've come to recognize is that I was doing that work within a toxic incubator that didn't allow for me to shine. And so I quit my job without a plan. Um, I, and I really had no idea what was coming. I, it was scary. I had to muster every bit of courage that I had and really gave myself a couple of months to focus on my own healing journey and to think about what I had come from and where I wanted to go next. And what I discovered was that my journey, no matter how much I want to be unique, my journey through the working world was not particularly unique. And began talking to people and realizing that it wasn't just in nonprofits, it wasn't just in schools, that our world of work in the United States does not meet the needs of human beings. And I have some tools that I've learned along the way that I can provide to help people do that. Um, so one of the statistics that just completely blows my mind is that in the United States, we have 156 million part and full-time workers, um, or at least we did potentially before pandemic right. times. <laughs> um, and 80% of those workers, that's 125 million people, um, are dissatisfied and stressed out and unhappy with their work situations. Uh, that is an absurd number, and we have to do something about it. And so Relevution was born out of a mission to do something about it, a mission to unlock companies and leaders' potential to create real, sustainable, and productive work environments that focus on the people that make our work possible. And so last October... We launched, we, were, we have a number of professional development and consulting services that we offer to currently small to mid-sized companies, but really we'll work with anybody who wants to go on this journey with us. And I truly feel like no matter what has happened in the last four or five months, I am getting to live into the most authentic version of myself as an entrepreneur and empower others to do the same. And that feels really good. I, 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 I love hearing the, the terms that you use because it's so obvious that you have like the, the professional and, and, and ac academic training it, and you have the vocabulary to speak about this in such an eloquent way, in a way that I feel like most of us just want to bang our heads against a wall. And, and you're actually putting words to those feelings in a way that it's like 
basically the goal of the show, which is giving people the the a, a relieving feeling knowing that they are not crazy, that they are not alone, and that there are people out there who feel similarly. And in your case, there's actually a solution, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, so you said that you work mostly with small and medium-sized businesses right now. Would it be a goal to work with those larger companies eventually? I mean, obviously, like there's no such thing as bad revenue, especially in, in pandemic times. Uh, but do you prefer to work with those smaller and medium-sized businesses maybe because you can relate better or, or is it the goal to grow eventually with those bigger companies too? My goal is to be able to provide services to any person or company that wants to join the Real Illusion. So we are on a mission to transform the world of work, which starts which might start with the smaller companies. And I am open to expanding to whomever it feels right to expand to as time goes on. The reason why we've focused our outreach on small to mid-sized companies right now is that it's what I'm most familiar with. And um, I'm really looking to work with companies where we can show quicker results. Um, And if you're looking to transform a company that has thousands and thousands of people, if not hundreds of thousands of people, that change takes a lot longer. Whereas with smaller companies, we can really see meaningful impact in the period of just a few months. It's not necessarily sustainable yet, but really testing our concepts and our tools with um, early adopters and then seeing where where it takes us and who knows. Right. And as you were giving uh, a, a little context and, and, and your background for how you came to be where you are, you mentioned that you had been in, in incubators that you didn't, that, that you felt kind of uh, left something to be desired. Um mm-hmm probably both in in the product they were producing as well as just the, it sounds like the, the overall culture of it. Um, can you give a, 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 can you expand on that just a little bit more? Sure. Um, so I can expand on it for myself personally and then expand on it also from the research. Um, I think that for me, it was about feeling like I was stuck in bureaucracies with tons of red tape and unable to take actions in the way that I felt was right, that was truly aligned with my values. And that part of the issue was there was that the companies and organizations that I was working apart that I was working with didn't actually really understand what their values were, which would have made it a little bit easier to be able to align. So knowing where you're going and what the North Star is, is really important. And that for me was lacking, um, at least especially in my, in my last job. I think that um, when you're looking at why people are unhappy at work, It's things like, including me, it's things like lack of appreciation and poor and unprepared management and leadership. It's about not having meaningful opportunities for growth that are aligned to your true gifts. Uh, It's about um, not being fulfilled by your work, again, not understanding that North Star. Um, It's about not being able to balance work and life and having to make really difficult choices about compromising on things that are really important, like family and friends and fun. And those things are um, pieces that we need, we need as human beings in order to survive. Um, I think the, one of the other major contributors to this, these incubators that don't really nurture human beings is a need to wear masks or code switch when you walk in the door and feel like you have to be somebody for your boss or you need to be somebody for your colleagues. Um, This is obviously more prevalent um, for our colleagues of color and for people who come from identities that aren't fully represented in workplaces. And it's just so incredibly important to recognize that almost everything that I just said is preventable. These are not things that we have to just 
keel over and say, oh, that's just the way that work always is when we're thinking about negative interpersonal dynamics or ineffective teams or not having opportunities for growth. There are truly sustainable and systemic practices that we can put into place to be able to mitigate those things or mitigate the impact of those things. And there's no need to really accept this reality. And I think that millennials are starting to push the barrier on that as we become more and more, um, we enter more and more leadership positions in the workplace. But I also think that the Gen Z generation, which is coming up very quickly behind millennials, is pushing this even more and really taking a stand to say, we want to feel like our work has meaning we want to feel meaningful ourselves. And so at some point, we don't have a choice but to take on this work and to really figure out how to transform it um, and ultimately do our work better because of it. Yeah, yeah. it's funny, you, you know, you, you feel like you're on the cutting edge of a, of a generation, of an up and coming generation until all of a sudden you look around and you realize, oh, you're not, there is another generation coming behind us. And I feel like I, you know, I, can, I can speak to that right there with you in the, in the millennial generation. And then having, you know, I, I have younger siblings, uh, one of whom just graduated from college. And it's like going back to having the words to put to the feelings. I feel like this next generation is able to do that so much better because it's become sort of the, the norm to have those conversations that were maybe previously either just not addressed or swept under the rug or whatever, but that it, it, it is getting its time in the spotlight now. And I feel like that is for the best in general. And then also specific to what kind of what you are doing in uh, transform or translating that into the workplace. Yeah. Making it so people don't have to wear the, wear the masks. Absolutely. And I think that part of this is about shifting, a cultural shift in the way that we think about what it is that we do. I was on a coaching call last week and this person said, I just don't know what to do with my life. I don't know um, if I should do this or this or this or this. And I said, well, what if we actually focused on not what you want to do, but who you want to be? And then we look at what jobs fall into that. And so as opposed to thinking about the doing and doing and doing, which is what our culture in America prioritizes above all else, how do we figure out who we want to be and really live into that in powerful ways? And that's the way that we're going to find uh, fulfillment. It's the way that our supervisors are going to be able to get the most out of us is when we truly know who we are and how we want to show up in the world. Right. I think you just hit the nail on the head there that in, in America, we, we love to do at, at the, at cocktail parties or, or any, or barbecues or whatever. When you meet someone, it's just so easy to be like, and what do you do? Right. And, and I feel like such a, a more meaningful question is like, who are you? right? Yeah. What, what are you, what do you do that, that, that brings you joy that like that, you, you know, tell me about your identity rather than what do you do for money? Mm -hmm. and, um, and <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's fascinating. So four days after I quit my job last year without a plan, um, I found myself at a very good friend's barbecue and felt woefully unprepared because everybody was asking me that question. And I was like, oh crap, I have no idea. I don't know what I do. I don't know who I am anymore. Everything that has defined who I am for the last decade is gone and I don't know what comes next. And that was really, really scary. And I went on this journey over the course of the summer of really thinking about none of that, like what you do or what you did wasn't the most powerful thing. It was actually how you did it. And now let's teach other people how to do that. And I mean, that's the, that's the formation story of my entrepreneurial journey. So it's really right. important. Yeah. So, so October, you decide to go out on your own, start a company. Uh, life seems good. The economy is booming. Uh, people are generally healthy. What could go wrong? So you had about five, five to six months, basically, where you were able to start from scratch. 
uh, before, uh, well, before the economy went right off a cliff and everyone started wearing masks and we are where we are. Mm -hmm. So uh, paint just a, a little picture really quickly before we move into the next segment, just about uh, where you were as a company from a revenue standpoint, were you still in the process of, I mean, obviously like you're as a small business, you're always building, uh, you're always building, but did you have uh, established customers already? Where did you see 2020 going? Um, kind of what, what was your forecast your and your reasonable hopes and dreams for 2020? Well, I don't know how many of my dreams were reasonable, but I, um, I, I was shocked. So we launched in October and things took off very quickly. Uh, so we led a number of public workshops here in New York City and started acquiring customers fairly quickly. And by February, we had almost doubled our projections. So like I had done my due diligence as a new entrepreneur, I had a business plan and I was outperforming what I thought we were going to do by significant margins. And it felt really good. I was really busy. Um, I had originally thought that we might be able to bring um, team members on within the first 18 months. And I was like, oh, well, maybe we can do that faster. I like, We're amping up so quickly and I need support with marketing and sales and I can't keep up with the demand as it's currently growing. And so maybe, th so that became the dream. Like, all right, well, maybe by the fall of 2020, I can have a team and we can out go out and be changing the world together. Um, was working with real, a really diverse portfolio of clients. So everything from school districts where I was really comfortable to a human resources consulting firm to a law firm, um, also working with a number of nonprofits, both in New York City and elsewhere, and just felt really good about where we were going and what we were doing and getting amazing feedback. Um, and so in January, it became very clear that I wanted to create this. Um, one of the arms of my company is retreats. And so that has to do with retreats for companies and offsites and creating spaces for people to really dig into these more difficult challenges and with strategy in mind. And I decided that I wanted to create a public retreat open to leaders of all walks of work in life to really dive into this stuff together. And that that was going to become this big part of my 2020. We're going to do one in the fall and going to bring lots and lots of people together. And we did that. And it was unbelievable. That was the last weekend in February. And we brought 20 incredible humans together and the momentum and the feeling in that space was we are going to go out there and we are going to change the world. And that was the last thing that we did. So before madness struck, um, I, and it was really like that clear cut. I right. had a vacation scheduled immediately following that. And then the world went crazy um, and we've been adjusting ever since then. And I have really had to reframe what success looks like <laughs> um, because there have been a lot of really positive things that have come out of this period of time, which I'll talk about in an, probably in a few minutes, but this is hard and it is so hard to go from all of this momentum to just feeling like you're sort of in limbo, this pause of limbo, and maybe we'll reopen soon, and maybe we won't reopen soon. And oh my goodness, I just want to create a plan. Like, just let me create a plan already. So right. uh, that's sort of transitioning into the next question. But yeah, I, yeah. Like that's you, where I was. <laughs> you, you need some certainty somewhere. You need some constant or some predictability in order to create a plan. Yeah. So, somewhere. Like you don't have to know everything, but you have to know something. And then right now I totally can relate how difficult that can be when you're like, well, 
if I knew that we were going to reopen October 1st, then I could plan accordingly. But for, you know, if you're planning retreats and they're in person, okay, well, you know, five or let's see, three months ago when things first started happening, I, I know my, my wife runs a nonprofit and she has a, has a big fundraiser and it was supposed to be, I believe in May. And they're like, well, it seemed totally reasonable at the time to just delay it until August. But now here we are right after the 4th of July. And we're like, hey, you want to have an in-person event in August? What are you insane? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And then um, just one other thing I was going to say is I, I the, the visual that I had when you were describing having the 20 people come together and everyone's all fired up to, to go out into the world and, and make the changes and, and be the changes. The, the visual that I had was everyone was, was like inside dressed up, you know, getting dressed, ready to go out to this, on this big excursion. Everyone's like smiles and high fives. And then you open the door and it's just like uh, this apocalyptic landscape of like, you know, uh, fire and, and, and in brimstone basically. And you're like, okay, I'm just going to close that door and uh, go back inside and reassess what's going on here. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really good metaphor. And I think that one of the things that really stands out for me is that it's not just me that doesn't know what's going on. It's everybody running around with absolutely no clue about what's happening. And so in New York city, we're getting this like strange false sense of normalcy kind of, but it's just, it's so incredibly difficult to look a week down the line, let alone yeah. four or five months or a year down the line. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we all have our own struggles. Uh, I I think that the one good thing, I guess, in, um, <laughs> is that at least you don't have to be buying a product and sitting on inventory. So at least yes. that's one good thing about being kind of in the services industry. But um, I, I want to move on to the next segment of the, which, which of course is mid COVID. And so we can get into the, the, the post, you know, get into the, get into the March 1st and, and beyond uh, timeframe. But before we do that, I want to move to our uh, guests unsponsor of the show, which is uh, I ask each guest to, who comes on as of a few episodes ago to uh, basically tell our, our 12s of followers out there about one awesome business that produces an awesome product and is preferably run by awesome people who probably doesn't get a lot of uh, uh, radio play, podcast play, marketing in general, who might be limited on a budget, but deserves to have the world hear about them. So who, who do you have for us today? Yeah, so I want to unsponsor an a, incredible company called Aligning, which is a holistic marketing company based out of Connecticut, but they do work everywhere that helps companies align timing and be creative and think about how to use their data to be able to improve performance. And they are a black owned business with two of the most amazing entrepreneurs at the helm. And they are making waves for companies that are really looking to do the work that I talk about in terms of being holistic and human centered do that in relation to marketing and communication and the way that we tell our company's stories. And I cannot recommend them enough and hope that people can really take advantage of their services. And you can find them at alignwithus.com. Yes. All right. Uh, moving on to the mid COVID section of the, of the pod here. Um, so we get to, I love that you you have such like a definitive timing where you have the the pre-COVID basically ending with the the culmination of your retreat. You have vacation scheduled. You live in New York City, so basically you are at the essential the American epicenter of COVID. What was the immediate impact to your business, uh, and kind of when did you realize just how serious things were going to be? I still don't know if I've realized it to the full extent <laughs> of where we are. Um, I feel like, so I came back from a beautiful week in the Dominican Republic. 
and um, had a birthday party with my friends and family where we were sort of wary of hugs, but totally still hugged each other. And then um, the following Monday, I came back to work in quotation marks and everything sort of hit pause. So I think that one of the most challenging pieces of this for me as a new entrepreneur is that my contracts weren't canceled. The majority of them were just put on pause indefinitely. And so we have sort of just been pushing the timeline for when things restart because we just have no idea when things are going to restart. But every few weeks, I get these emails from my partner saying, we are going to start up again. We just don't know when. We right. are going to start up again, but we don't know when. And so we looked. We were looking at April, then we were looking at May, then we were looking at June, and now we're looking more likely towards September. But that really affects my morale and thinking and thinking around, well, do I really need new clients right now? How much prospecting should I be doing? Because I can't be working. I'm only one person. I can't work with everybody on the planet at the same time. So if these contracts pick up again, um, I don't want to be in a position where I have to turn people away or stop contracts. And that's been a really fascinating tension for me. Like really, I'm really grateful that I know that that income might be coming in at some point. We might be able to do that work, but it really is this like limbo state of, okay, I don't really know how much will be impacted. And I'm just sort of waiting for the shoe to drop to say, actually, our budgets have changed and we're no longer going to be doing this work, but it hasn't happened quite yet. So I'm, right. I'm sort of navigate, navigating that, um, that tension. Um, I think that very quickly, so mid-March, I became aware that I was going to have to pivot my strategy. We we're going to have to move everything online and really think about how to put our actions where our words were. So um, we, we actually issued a COVID-19 call to action before it was the cool thing to do and really encouraged people to think about how to live into this period of uncertainty with courage and compassion and how we could support with that. And we launched a couple of new initiatives fairly quickly um, and they were not income generators, but have definitely helped with brand recognition and building credibility and trust. So when everything is uncertain, you go to your roots. And for me, those roots are about community and joy and service and being able to give back to people who are suffering. Um, so we launched this weekly engagement. We're open to the public, to anybody who wanted to come. Every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time, we had an open call for joy and human connection. And it welcomed people in from around the country and at, towards the end, actually, around the world to play games and to tell stories and to just check in on each other. And we did that for 16 weeks straight um, and just recently decided that we were going to hit pause on that as people went on their summer vacations and thinking about strategy for the fall but really had the opportunity to see light in the darkness because of that. And that, that felt really good. Um, we also, so my sister is a paramedic in New Rochelle, which was the original epicenter of COVID-19 in New York. And I was able to see her struggle and her suffering as an opportunity and um, assembled a volunteer base of close to 1,500 mental health practitioners to work with first responders and healthcare professionals throughout COVID-19. And again, all of this is pro bono work, um, but it certainly kept me busy um, in those initial weeks. And we were able to match, um, at this point, just about 250 people from around the country with mental health services to support their well-being. And again, really just thinking about like my whole thing with Relevution is how do we commit to compassionate action in work and in life? And so that's what we've been doing and trying to plug in the professional development services and the virtual training and um, responsive things as we went. Um, so 
there's been a lot of energy in unexpected places um, and that has felt really good alongside the ridiculous number of challenges <laughs> that have also surfaced as a result of this time. But I wanted to start with some of the positive stuff because it's not all gone to crap. Um, there are still good human beings out there and we're all doing our best to be the change that we want to be in the world. Um, I think, uh, so one of the other big things that has happened during this time, and I don't know if you've experienced this as well, is that as a new entrepreneur, one of the most valuable assets that you have are your cheerleaders and your support network and like going out to coffee with people and getting ideas and iterating. And for me, at least, so much of that has just stopped. People are worried about their own businesses, about their own work, about their own families. And I have felt more alone on this journey during this last four or five month period than I did in the months prior. And that's taken a big toll on me emotionally and mentally and in thinking about what comes next um people you just, aren't like you, you just yeah. answered the question that i didn't even ask yet which is <laughs> okay. basically how no i mean you're yeah you're incredible it it was basically going to touch on the fact that you are someone who is uh you know professionally you are there to cultivate positive work culture and environment and and keep the the ship moving in the right direction from from like an, an emotional and human standpoint that which will thus allow the 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 engine of the company to move more efficiently and effectively forward so the, my question was going to be basically how do you as someone who went out on your own and took this big step how do you stay positive personally and and do you ever feel hopeless or or despondent about what what kind of to, to do next because it's already so difficult to be a solopreneur in those first few months where there are so many different directions and and available paths to you that and then to have it all just like to have whatever plans you had sort of just uh uh complicated and and that word is like does not do the uh the situation justice but everything is so much more complicated because of the the pandemic so how are you doing basically as an individual uh who is who is supposed to be so positive and you know <laughs> and and to be that example but what you know behind closed doors how have how have you felt oh that's such a loaded question uh <laughs> so Behind closed doors, it is an emotional roller coaster. Um, some of the days, it's a Six Flags roller coaster with lots and ton, like lots and lots of loops and turns, and you don't know what's coming next. And some days, it's a kitty roller coaster. But I don't remember a moment in the last five months where I haven't felt like I am on a roller coaster. So um, that goes from feelings of despondent, despondence, and hopelessness, and frustration and just, oh my goodness, when is this going to end? Um, or when do we get to actually start trying on pieces of this new normal that we're pretending exists, but we have no idea what, what it looks like yet? Um, I think that I, so in my career prior to launching Revolution, I did a lot of emotional intelligence and uh, social emotional learning work, particularly with schools and school districts. One of the things that I learned is that it's not about being positive all the time. And being a human being is a complex adventure that comes with pleasant and unpleasant emotions. And it's how we regulate those emotions that actually makes a difference. So in this time, I have been sometimes better than other times. Um, I'm not going to pretend that I have this all figured out. And there was a week in, uh, in May when I just wanted to curl up in a ball and not get out of bed and just be like, I am done. I am tired. 
I don't even know if I want a job. I just want to move to an island and be like more alone. At least I would be choosing to be alone. Um, and I, but I think that leaning into those unpleasant emotions for me has been really important. Things suck. It's okay to be sad that people are dying. Um, it's okay to be frustrated that business is on pause. It's okay to be angry that people are not seeing this important work and like taking part in this important work, even though right now we need it more than we ever have. And so recognizing that those emotions are a part of my unique human experience and naming that for people is really powerful. Not just posting on social media that everything is unicorns, rainbows, and roses, um, but saying like, this is really hard and we're not alone. And together we can navigate the roller coaster and try to make it a little less bumpy. Um, but it has not been a fun few months. I don't think I would repeat it <laughs> if given the choice. <laughs> and I, um, one of my self-care and spiritual practices is to go on really long walks and to just wander and allow for my brain to turn off. And um, that has been made a little bit more complicated because I need to stay away from people. But fortunately, I live in a part of New York where we have lots of parks and residential space. So it's been fairly safe to continue these walks. And I remember a few weeks ago, I was on one of these walks and I just, I recognized that it wasn't the universe that was getting in my way. It was my own ego. And I needed to sort of let go of some of that and be like, I am doing good work right now. We are doing good work right now. And it's all going to pay off in the long run because that's how the universe works. <laughs> and trying to maintain that glimmer of optimism, even when it feels like I'm catapulting off of a roller coaster to my death. Does that make any sense? <laughs> it it does. Wow. I I almost am at a loss of a follow-up question just because I, I, I'm in awe of what a great answer that was. And of course, that you would bring it back to, you know, I, I asked this question about how do you keep things positive and, you know, how are you, how are you framing things? And of course, your answer is basically like destroying my question in the best possible way basically saying you don't have to be positive because your your workplaces are more productive and humans are happier and everything is better essentially when you get to be your authentic self so mm -hmm. it's you know it's why i started this podcast it's why you started your business and it's basically saying you are not alone. You're allowed to have your feelings and other people are going through similar things. And we are in this together at the mm -hmm. end of the day. Like th that's the message, right? Yeah. I think it's part of the message. And I think that the other part of it is that even when coronavirus is a memory, its impacts are still going to linger for better yes. or for worse. And so the, the trauma that we have collectively experienced as a society um, has changed the way that we think about things. It is ultimately going to have rewired our brains and therefore rewired employees and staff and supervisors and CEOs brains and we're going to have to do a lot of recalibration to be able to really live into that value of authenticity and giving space not only for people to feel those emotions but to also heal from some of the pain and suffering that has happened and yeah. we don't generally think about our workplaces as healing spaces because it's about productivity and revenue and product and all of that is really important, but none of it is possible without people. And so right now we're at this precipice where we need to think about redesigning our reopens and reimagining our workplaces to center the human experience. Because if we don't, people are just going to leave. And I think that one of the things that doesn't seem to be registering with a lot of leaders is that if you had a toxic culture prior to COVID-19 
And you've sort of perpetuated business as usual from a remote work environment. Chances are the impacts of that stress and that toxicity or the low morale or negative culture, those are going to come out so much stronger when people are back in the offices together or when we're reimagining because that's how human experience works. And so we need to be prepared for that. And I feel like we have a set of tools to really help companies be able to reopen with purpose and to create this infrastructure. I'm really excited to be able to do that work with whoever comes knocking. And um, we have an opportunity to restart here and to say like, this can be a moment of renewal and rebirth and we can start over. And that's incredibly powerful. I I think that you uh, hit, hit the nail on the head, calling out the trauma that we are going through and and its lasting impacts. I think it'll be similar in the way that you hear of like your grandparents or great grandparents who lived lived in and fully experienced the depression, and how no matter how much money they made, they their their day to day tendencies and uh, habits were often reflective of that that trauma of not knowing when the next meal was coming from. So even if you went on to be, you know, some like very uh, financially successful person, you maybe always had like your pantry fully stocked just because you didn't, you know, in in case, just in case that next thing happened. Right. And maybe you had like more like hoarding tendencies or or, whatever, however it, it, it it was born out. Uh, It, it was, that trauma was carried with that, that was carried with you. That experience never left you. It was a, it was a part of you. And I feel like there's going to be this whole generation of people now who we are experiencing this together and are going to continue to carry it with us moving forward, which of course is why the work that you do is more important than ever. Um, have you found yourself adjusting uh, or maybe creating new products to offer or, or tailoring it specifically to the new the new normal of working from home which is something that is predicted to continue on well well out into the future well beyond uh whatever termination of of the pandemic there is yeah so i just want to touch on something else that you said and then i'll get to your question which is really important about this remote this question about remote work and it's that when we're thinking about trauma, um, it's we also have to be thinking about um, baseline human needs. And so Maslow's hierarchy of mm-hmm. needs is the easiest to explain. And we are coming off of a period where those two bottom buckets, which are physiological needs and safety needs, people have been not having those needs met for months. And that doesn't just go away overnight. And that hoarding mentality, that thinking about how do we, people are going to want to feel more safe than they ever felt before. And that's physical safety, but also emotional safety because they've been deprived of it for so long. And so when we're thinking, it's so easy to get caught up in like your next question about what is like what are the creative things that we can do and how do we like self-actualize out of this experience and we're still in those bottom buckets of meeting our baseline needs right and so i i'm trying to really remember that for myself um as well and just recognizing that responding to those needs first is really important um so thanks for letting me take a step back there yeah I think that one of the things that companies of all sorts have realized is that community is really, really important with remote work. Um, And it's more, it's so incredibly uh, essential for there to be the, for there to be a high bar of trust. And that is already not the case in workplaces. So there's a really scary statistic that, Um, 58% of American workers say they trust strangers on the street more than their own boss. That does not translate well (laughs) into remote work environments because it means that there's more email. It means that there's less context. 
it means that there's less water cooler talk and that like um, impromptu relationship building when you see somebody coming out of the bathroom or you get into the elevator with somebody going up to your office we're not getting that same level of human experience um, to the extent that it even existed in workplaces before. And so I've really been thinking about how to replicate those human experiences in virtual contexts for companies. So we're leading, um, this is a new pandemic program, we're leading something called COM Sessions, which stands for Community Affirmation, Listening, and Motivation. And it's a combination of opportunities for people to get to know each other and to listen to each other and to process experiences totally outside of the context of job responsibilities. And so 60 minute sessions for people to purchase for their department or for their team or for their entire company to really live into that, that human experience. Um, I think that one of the things that I'm trying trying to figure out how to market is this concept of professional develop, virtual professional development that is not just a one-time thing. So I think that companies have done a good job in pandemic times recognizing the importance of professional development for their staff and thinking about investing in a coach or thinking about having a workshop. And especially when people are in the middle of trauma, those one-time learning experiences aren't actually tremendously effective. And so thinking about what are the, what's the, what's the curriculum, that's not even the word I want to use, the, like, the scope and sequence of a development program that moves us towards the end of the year. Um, that's not just, we're doing this professional development training because we have to, we think it's the right thing to do, but because we're truly investing in people. And so we are, um, we have a comprehensive training menu that everything can be offered virtually that was available before, but I'm thinking about it in a more nuanced way because to be able to create that more systemic change that we're looking for in workplaces it's not like a 60 minute or a 90 minute or even a full day training isn't going to cut it. And so I think that it's about shifting those mindsets a little bit. Um, and then the, the last thing is that um, my heart and so much of my heart st is still in the education sector. And one of the big traumas that's happening right now is the question about whether or not to reopen schools. And what impact that has on parents, what impact that has on teachers, what impact that has on budgets and all sorts of things. And so one new service that we are launching actually in a couple of weeks are these healing spaces for educators to really come together and think about their cumulative experiences and process what has happened, but also amp up for what is to come and think about how to heal from the trauma to the extent that's possible while the trauma is still happening and be able to show up for kids um, and show up for ourselves and not be taken advantage of because so much of the education conversation is about safety for kids, but I have a soft spot for educators and feel like they are heroes that are often not paid attention to. So that's something that we're going to be doing a lot more of in the coming months as the school year is coming up. Marissa, I, I feel like uh, what you just said about how there isn't enough, how a 60 minute or a 90 minute or even a one day thing isn't going to be enough to, to, to isn't going to be enough, right? It needs to be an ongoing conversation. I feel that way about this conversation, like our 60 minute or 90 minute or whatever. I feel like this could go on. This could be a multi-day uh, uh, interview. And obviously- Is that an offer? <laughs> <laughs> you have the time. I have the time. Uh, yeah, let's, uh, I just feel like I could just talk to you forever. But uh, we do have to wrap this up. So, um, and and normally I would have transitioned into a kind of a, a the the post COVID segment, but I feel like again you kind of beat me to the punch, and I've already touched on so many of those things um, about how it's going to be a continued conversation and it will, will continue to evolve. And I feel like you you will be right there uh, waiting for anyone who who finds it within themselves to reach out and and realize the need for so with, for your services. So. 
how can our 12s of listeners support your company now and in upcoming months and who should be reaching out to you? Absolutely. So I think I want to start by just saying what people can do to support themselves right now. So part of this is about like not being alone. And I have really found some comfort in thinking about this moment, this complicated, complex moment in time being an opportunity for seed planting and cultivating the soil. So if you are out there and you are feeling like you have no idea what to do, think about the soil that you are cultivating for your seeds to grow in whatever the next season is. Because um, we have to be doing that proactive work and ultimately that's going to translate to bigger results. For me, um, I am currently looking to work with anybody for whom any of this content has resonated. I, we have a number of consulting and professional development services. So everything from that one-off training to um, I, there's a program called the Promotion to Purpose program for managers and leaders to really live into and develop their leadership style. It's a completely virtual program that can happen for your management team or your leadership team over the course of um, timeline to be determined by you, but preferably six to eight weeks. And um, I think if you want to reach out to talk, I'm always looking for thought partners. I'm looking for people to help us elevate our brand and our voice and to think creatively about partnership and how we do this work together because my work is completely meaningless without the companies and the schools and the organizations and the leaders with whom I work. And so all of this is about partnership and how do we work together. So if you want to work together, please reach out um, and, and let's do it. Let's make magic happen together. I'm really excited to be able to have the opportunity during this time to talk to people like you, Grant, um, and to build trust for in my brand and in what we have to offer. And we have a lot to offer. So hoping. And, and where would people find you? How, what, what's, yeah, the best, so, what's the best way to get in touch? Yeah. So I shouldn't give you my cell phone number, um, <laughs> but my, um, my website is www.truerelevution.com. Um, that's love in the center of the revolution. And um, that's the center of our mission is how to create more loving, love-centered, human-centered work environments. And if people don't like the internet anymore, but love Instagram, the best way to find you? Yeah, the best way to find me. Thank you. I um, <laughs> is at, at True Relevution. So everything is consistent across all of our platforms, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, sometimes Twitter. And um, so that tag is at True Relevution. And please follow along and sometimes like Twitter. all of our stuff. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Uh, Marissa, I, I can't wait to have you back. And so we can, I, I can hear all of the ways that you have made the, the world a better place and helped us recover and, and heal from, from the, the trauma that we are all experiencing right now um, in, in all ways of health, um, economic and physical and psychological and uh, in the workplace, et cetera. So uh, the, yeah, the, the work you are doing is just is, is so valuable. And uh, from a from an entrepreneurial standpoint, I'm I'm just excited to see just how how uh, how you grow and continue to adapt over over the the next infinity. I guess. Me too. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, let's have you back on soon, please. Yeah, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for the opportunity, and thank you all for listening. <laughs> Thanks, Marissa. Thank you so much to Marissa Badgley of Relovution. If you think your company and workforce could use some professional development, and odds are you can, please check out truerelovution.com. As always, let's finish the show up with our Unsponsor. For you new listeners, an Unsponsor is a small business run by awesome people producing an awesome product who probably don't have much or any marketing budget, but still deserves to be known. Also, they don't know they are being promoted. So today's show is not brought to you by Fig Balloon Company. Fig Balloon Company 
offers huge, amazing in-person balloon experiences in the greater Boston area, and probably more relevant to you, they offer really fun party boxes for birthdays, graduations, etc. delivered to your door and can always work with you to create a custom box. Check them out at figballoonco.com or on Instagram at figballoonco where you can see some really fun examples of their work for J. Crew, Puma, Lululemon, and the ultimate Northeast endorsement, Fenway Park and the Red Sox. Thank you to Peggy Bunker and the Bunkmates for use of their song Geronimo. Thank you to Pasty Design for all graphics and website production, as well as the intro to Fig Balloon Co. Check out Small Biz Gone Viral at smallbizgoneviral.com, where not only can you see all episodes, but you can tell me who I should have on the show as a guest, and who should be next episode's unsponsor. Make sure to like and five-star review this episode on Apple, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher. Yes, real fans do all four. If you hated it, Tell me why straight to my inbox at smallbizgoneviral at gmail.com. It's my extrovert's dream to hear from you. And you can do that right after you leave that five-star review anyway. And more importantly, share this podcast with one small business owner. You get to give a gift that costs you about seven seconds and zero dollars. Plus, they will feel like their plight is recognized. Something I promise you won't go unnoticed. Someday this will all be over. Until then, stay safe, stay distant, and just wear a mask. From a windowless office near an overly crowded, non-socially distanced beach in San Diego, this is Small Biz Gone Viral. You thought the show was over? Oh, surprise. It's not. We got a quick bonus track for you. Okay, so you and I are going to try to recreate a magical moment that we just had after I had stopped recording. Uh, But I want to go over it just one more time. Uh, Maybe I'll add this back in. You and I were just talking about how there, there there could be a a generational thing where I am able to use as a millennial. It, it's become very commonplace for me to use phrases like "I feel like," blah blah blah, and I can imagine that an older generation who maybe wasn't brought up with that that same approach to feelings might have some difficulty uh, in in maybe being receptive to the message that that you have. Uh, I feel like it it could be easy to kind of paint with broad strokes and go, oh well, I don't I don't need that that hippy dippy mushy gushy stuff in 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 my office. Where I don't care if my if my people are are happy or unhappy as long as they're productive. Of course, I think that produ- I think happy workers are productive workers and productive workers make money. So it should be in the best interest of of any boss to have happy workers, but what what would you say to that? And have you experienced any sort of that, of that pushback? Yeah, there pushback has been a real part of this journey, um, at least at the very beginning. And I've learned how to respond to it with care for others and also care for myself. So when I started putting out the initial concepts for Relevution and testing it with close family members and friends and mentors, some people were gung-ho and like, yes, this is exactly how you should be using your gifts in the world. This makes perfect sense. The world needs this. And then there were plenty of people who said, you can't talk about love in business. You can't have love in the center of your business name. Um, people won't pay attention to you. People think that love and compassion and humanity are mushy, gushy concepts. And that made me take pause because I really, really believe in my product. I believe in my services. I believe that we have the ability to really transform the way that work is done. And love is a huge part of that. One of my mantras is to love first, love last, and love period. And I believe that integrating that into what we do is so incredibly important. And there is nothing mushy-gushy or soft or not credible about the products and services that I'm offering. Everything is about high accountability. It's about making sure that there are rules of engagement but they're good and solid and sustainable rules of engagement where human beings truly are taken care of. Um, And so one of the things that I've had to really think about in my head and to translate in my head is 
that the reason why my work, our work, this work is so important is because those naysayers exist. And because there are people who believe so strongly that love is not a part of the business world and that compassion shouldn't be talked about in the context of workplaces, that's as good a reason as any for me to continue fighting this fight and to continue entering, plugging it in to as many people's vernaculars as humanly possible. And those people who are strong naysayers, they're going to see the impact in the long term and they're not my ideal client right now. And not everybody is an ideal client. It's something that I've had to learn along this entrepreneurial journey and rejection sucks and it makes you question things. But I feel so incredibly good about the foundation of this work. And I really believe that love and compassion and the power of humanity are the foundation we need to build ourselves off of. Yeah. So yes, the naysayers exist. Yes, there has been pushback. No, I'm not going to let it stop me. And no, it shouldn't let you or it shouldn't stop you from doing this work either. Thank you. Did we recreate the magic? I think so. Yeah.